Hi, this is William Beaver Bausch, and you're listening to Counting Measures, Passing Notes, a podcast which talks about music, education, and the places where they meet. As you may know, I'm a drummer who's been teaching in New York City for the past 26 years. For a variety of reasons, I don't teach anymore. This is part of my effort to make peace with that, talking with some of the folks who shaped and shared the journey that brought me here. In this week's adventure, I got to chat with band director extraordinaire Brant Schneider, who created the music program in Derby, Connecticut, and is currently at the helm of the Seymour High School Music Department. In many ways, this episode continues the Joe Grasso love fest begun in episode two, as Brant has applied the what would Joe Grasso do mantra to a variety of teaching situations and is as grateful as I am for the training and experiences we received from Newtown's program. But make no mistake, he's developed his own brand of secret sauces for teaching music, integrating cutting-edge technology into the classroom since the early aughts, that means 2000s. Anybody remember Palm Pilots? And embracing the parts of music learning that most of us only wave at from a very safe distance, like improvisation, like getting the kids to be able to transpose and rearrange a tune on the spot. You dig? I feel like Brant and I grew from the same roots, yet ended up in vastly different trees. I'm not sure how comfortable I am with botanical metaphors, but I'll see where this one goes. We went through the Newtown music system together that Joe Grasso built, and we both went to Oberlin and had life-altering experiences with Donald Byrd and Wendell Logan. Brant went on to join Teach for America in its second year of existence, did his duty in Louisiana, then brought it all home to Connecticut, where he has built two separate programs. Check out his blog at branchschneider.blogspot.com to see how much work this guy has done. Seriously. Here's the interview, which begins with one of my least articulate statements to date. Enjoy! I want to know about you. I want to know about your musical life. And I read your bio, and I thought I felt inferior next to Grasso. Like, I'm just like, damn it, you've been busy. Uh, what, what, the one thing everybody can say is I am busy. Um, it, it, that's really kind of been, uh, the best thing I can do for, I'm not always going to be the most talented guy, but I, I'm going to try to work harder than everybody else. Um, even since back in the bands, we were together in, in Oberlin, I would always make sure I show up on time, know my part. And it got me through four years in a great ensemble at, at Oberlin. Um, lucky to do that. And I'm finding more and more as I work that I value that more than anything else. You, you know, you're on time. You're in front of me. For sure. You're, you're ready to go. Um, a lot of talented people flame out and don't survive because they don't show up on time. As a band director, I, th- I think that's, you know, I, I listen to your podcast with Mr. Grasso, and I bet you, if you asked a hundred former band members, one thing they would automatically say is he taught them to show up on time. Because you were scared. Well, yeah, but, you know, they didn't have to be in band. Um, 
but they wouldn't say the B flat scale or the Locrian mode or whatever it's showing up on time. Right. And, and it's just amazing how it, it just carries through you the, your whole life. Which is unusual because the Locrian mode has certainly been essential to my well-being <laughs> for years. I, I keep mixing it up with Ionian, and I, I I don't know what I how I survive. But there's actually on our on our playground, there's uh you know like a little somebody put some bells in. Yep, yep. But it's an octave, but it's B to B. Yeah, it's like who thought of this? Like, what song are you going to play? Like the Gregorian chant for Satan? Like, what exactly is your goal here? Because you can't actually play any melody that goes up an octave. All right, so so tell me about early Brant. Trombone was your first instrument. Yeah, um, my, you know, I, I come kind of from a, a family of informal, semi-professional musician types. And band in Newtown was uh, fait accompli. You, you're just going to join band. Um, there's just no way around it. Uh, so I, I think it was it was the place for a semi-nerdy, bookish kid even more than anything. So I started trombone with Mrs. Whippy in fifth grade. Mrs. Whippy. A great lady doing, doing the Lord's work. <laughs> and... Um, and moved through Newtown Middle School in, in a band of 90 or 95 middle schoolers, which again, I thought was fun. I, I have to imagine it was just murder for the teachers to, to do that. I remember making Mrs. Whippy cry, not personally, but you know, team effort. I had, oh, yeah. her, I had her in sixth grade because I, I, but uh, I mean, we understand today going to four elementary schools and having to deal with, wait, you don't have your instrument. It's just, I can't even imagine the stress um, in a program like Newtown where you, you got to produce too. Were you in the visiting artist program? Did you have a private teacher? Or was it all from Whippy and Zimmer and whoever else was? I started with Howard Williams, who was the uh, professor at Westcon. He just passed away um, two or three weeks ago. Oh, wow. Um, one of the original, last original members of the Glenn Miller band. And uh, he was a great, great player. I, I ended up, when I came back to Newtown at age of 25 or 30, there was a big band with Howard Williams, Eddie Burt, um, Alan Raff, and I got a privilege to play in that group. And that, that was just a smoking group. Um, but yeah, I, I took, everybody took lessons from at least eighth grade through high school. Um, we'd have small ensembles in lessons. We had a trombone quartet. Um, I know there were saxophone quartets and, and other groups that really, the, the visiting artists was really, uh, I think where a lot of the teaching uh, of the instruments happened. When I was, when I taught at Derby, I was able to create a similar program, much smaller, but have visiting artists come in and was great. And I've, I've just struggled here at Seymour to it, private lessons are, are not nearly as easy to get as they were 10 or even 15 years ago to get students out to do them. Um, I'm really struggling to get, get that to start. So I, I have to do all the teaching now. How do you think Grasso set it up? Was it just he had a relationship with Westcon and he got their students to come and work 
cheap or was there underwriting? Because I don't remember paying much for lessons. No, I and I I don't know how he originally did it, but I I do know. 40 or, or 50 years ago, it was more of a tradition that you're taking lessons, whether it was piano lessons, piano lessons were much more common. Um, and I, th I think as he created the program, it just kind of grew out of that middle America aesthetic of you're going to be good at music and piano and singing. And now we've got this great band. You're going to learn trumpet type of thing. Um, just kind of the, the craftsman model, I, uh, which in a town like Newtown, which, which at the time was a little more working middle class, I think people understood really well. You know, this is your craft. You're going to learn percussion. And if you're going to learn percussion, you've got to find Guy Dedell. He's a good percussionist. And Mr. Grasso trusts him, so you trust him. Except you don't even have to find Guy because... He's at the He's school, there. you know, right, you stay right. after school, you sign up for your spot and, you know, you, it, it's kind of, it's all there for you. Right. And, and the, uh, the, to get that started and to get it right, then it just perpetuates for 40 years. Um, but to get it started, I, and again, I, I pressed the right button in Derby. I haven't been able to find the right button here where people say, yeah, I got to take clarinet lessons type of thing. So it's um, not just a matter of having a university or something nearby I, I that don't you think can so. I, I, kind of I, grab some... I think the amount of players who can teach quality lessons is just... I mean, just the two of us. We, we could teach lessons in that visiting artist program. There, there are people like us everywhere that can do it. Um, maybe finding a quality oboe teacher or bassoon teacher, but, but you can find a quality percussion teacher. Um, you can find a quality trombone teacher, saxophone. They're, they're around. Um, a, lot of, a lot of the people who, were, who had loads of 55 students 10 years ago are down to like 35, 40, wow. 25 in their private lesson load. Um, it's just tough. And, and you know, as a working musician, a lot of you working musicians earn their money. <clears throat> you know, their, their rent money with lessons. Not with the Friday night gigs, that's I mean, for sure. Not around here. No, yeah. So, I I really want to find a way to kind of bring that back, just just to survive as a musician, if, if nothing else, to to give people work. Um, and obviously, I'm not going to be the best clarinet teacher for anybody right. or percussion. But you're doing it, and from what I read, but I don't want to get ahead of the story. So. So you you uh, you do trombone. You study with that same guy for the whole. From no, no, I studied for two years, and then uh, Rich Renner, uh, probably for all of high school, um, and you know, and, and through through high school, you know, music was my social group. Music was, you know. We have a, a rule in my. We have six rules in my choir and band, and one was it's more fun to be good. And I really think at Newtown that was just a central thing that people enjoyed the pride of being in the Newtown band, and the pride of working on something really hard, and the pride of if Mr. Grasso said I want you to work on this type of thing, um, and it was a social group. I mean, it was. 150 of my best friends, which, which it was great to be in a, a great group, but also mm. the largest group.
Um, and it, a, after that, I followed you to Oberlin. Oh, was that my fault? And, I'm sorry. Sorry about that. No, no. But <laughs> you, you went there first. And then uh, I, the, the greatest thing that happened to me at Oberlin was um, my second day at Oberlin getting in the Oberlin Jazz Ensemble. I, I really think if, if that hadn't happened, I, I would have kind of drifted socially and academically. It, it gave me day one a rehearsal to show up where I knew it was going to happen. Um, a social group, you know, something to belong to. And I, I think I was incredibly lucky to, to, to be in that group was that, for That was four Donald, years. right? Donald oh. Bird was right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and the, the year I went to Oberlin at, at, to the college, the, there's the conservatory and the college. I went there a year that they accepted 14 freshmen trombone majors. So, you know, I wasn't going to play in the orchestra. I wasn't going to play in the band. I wasn't going to, I didn't have really have another place to be the leader. So it was just incredibly lucky to, to get in that group. That's um, exactly the path that happened to me two years before you got there. Exactly. Except yeah. it wasn't Donald and I wasn't quite smart enough to figure out what was going on. But and, yeah, yeah, but I, I don't know if I, if October of that year, what I would have been doing. I would have been taking my classes. You know, who who do you hang out? Where where do you show up at four thirty on Monday? Type of thing. Would I stop playing the trombone? Would I have you know? I, it would it would have been a different world. Um, but it, for four years, I kind of moved up the ranks. You know, at, at the end, you know, I was taking care of the music. I was. I was booking the gigs. I was um, Wendell Logan's, nice. you know, his assistant, doing that stuff. You know, uh, we had a we had JJ Johnson in for two years, and you know, I'd pick him up at the airport, right? That type of thing. Um, you know, take him to the hotel, all that type of thing, and it really it That's was a when great you hear the experience. Real um, oh yeah, <laughs> um, he wouldn't wear a seatbelt. <laughs> that I always remember that. He just, he just refused to wear a seatbelt. I was like, okay. <laughs> um, but I, I spent four years sitting next to Wendell as a arranging student. Um, and I, I think he had a lot of pride in me because I wasn't a music student. What was your major? I was just did okay. history. Um, and he gave me the honor of playing some of my tunes at concerts and stuff and that was a that was a huge thrill to have somebody like him just kind of you, you know somebody who somebody who in many ways is kind of the same guy as Mr. Grasso he's just right. old school this is what we this is what we do um you got to honor the music type of thing um and he really taught me kind of the value of hard work that you know you, you'd bring in sheets of music and he'd look at it for 45 seconds and then turn to you and say, you know, is this all you got? And you go, yes, Wendell, <laughs> it's, it's all I got. And then he go, oh, all right, let's, and he'd play three things and you go, oh, of course. And teach you something about just getting it done, getting the work done. Um, That's 
It was, yeah, and you were there it was a great kind time. of a pivotal point for Oberlin. I mean, the jazz major came into being, I think, right as I was leaving. And so even when I went back after a year to visit, I felt like, geez, the, the level has really jumped up and people are... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think it... it it be you know it was kids like us that were just kind of students who happened to play jazz and it became jazz students um fairly quickly even my juniors and senior year you know the first jazz majors coming in um i don't necessarily know if they played better or worse but they were there to play jazz they were there to to work on that um you know, I, I think I think of you. I think of you know. I'm thinking these names, you know, like Charles Boyer, who just could just play like a beast, but he right. was a biology major. You know, um, a lot of kids like that. But then it, it became more of a regular ensemble there, I believe. Um, but it was good times. That's awesome. So then uh, you're uh, after Oberlin. I I got lucky. I got was a that job the with first Teach for America class of TFA ninety one, right? Second, okay. Second, second. It was the Wild Wild West. My wife was uh, 2004. Uh, Yeah, but she won't show me the secret (laughs) handshake, so I don't know, you know. (laughs) Um, But it was, you know, so I went to South Central Los Angeles to do my student teaching for six weeks, and halfway through, they call me and say, would you like to be a band director in Louisiana? Halfway through your training? They interrupted your training to yep. go send you somewhere? Is that what you're saying? No, 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 no. I had to finish my training, but, you know, I didn't have a, a spot. You know, you, you just kind of get in the system and they find a spot for you where the, you're needed. And, you know, I graduate Oberlin on May 31st or Memorial Day or whatever. And August 15th, I'm leading a marching band in the wow. Bayou of Louisiana. Um which, you know, you get to that moment and every single day, and you may have gone through this too, you think, what would Mr. Grasso do? You know, what would he be teaching today? (laughs) And you you just work on that because you have no idea what to do. And even if I went to ed school for four years, I would have had no idea. My first, Um, um, I had a choir gig, which I was spectacularly unsuited for, but I remember the first day I taught, rhythm and the second day i taught melody and you know by day five i was like i'm i'm completely screwed i really yeah, need w- to take some <laughs> classes you know <laughs> somebody needs to tell numbers. me what the hell's going on yeah. not to mention the whole classroom management and you know why are these kids asking if they can go to the bathroom of course they can what am i a monster like wait where'd everybody go uh awkward right yeah, where'd, yeah. Where, where'd my class go um but it was you know you you come from Oberlin and you talk about diversity all day and you talk about this and talk about that. And then you go to a place where, you know, the kids don't have phones or, or windows and you, you go, okay, I've got to change my perspective a little bit. Um, I, I was there the first year that they, they built a new school. It was their first year with air conditioning and it's just, it's, it's just God awful hot. And I just couldn't even imagine right. being there a year earlier. Um, but I, How I long learned around the there? job. Um, I was at White Castle High School for a year and then I went to Jackson High School 
which was a, a quality band for another year. We played, you know, regular high school type of music. Um, and it, it was, it, Louisiana was great. It, Teach for America is tough because it's, you know, the whole point of it is you're going places that are needy. So it's not going to be an easy gig. You know, they're going to run and out of paper. And you have really no training. I mean, that, whatever they can do in six weeks is, uh, I mean, it's more than I had. But on the other hand, it takes a minute, I think, to grow a teacher for sure. Right. I, I, I do believe that if you paid attention in band, you can so you do really all did, right. You, you really did ask what would Joe do and then you kind of. Okay, yeah, I, oh, I never really had that kind of gig. It was more like, what the hell am I going to do? Because this doesn't look anything like what, yeah, you know, Joe Grasso was doing. Well, when, when I, like, I, I got my master's at, at Syracuse. I came back to Newtown to try to be a musician, and I ended up working with the band there, which was great training. So, you know, I'm back in the same room. Joe Grasso wasn't there at Type that of thing. No, no, it was it was the next director, and uh, I just kind of showed up and said, "I'm a band director. Do you need any help?" And he did. Um, you know, there's 180 kids in front of him, and that was great training. And then after two years, I just I needed an <laughs> Funny income. How that works. So, yeah, um, and I had the credits from Teach for America. I just had to take the special ed test and get certified. Um, and Derby High School was advertising for a band director, but they didn't have a band. So I went there, and 20 years later, um, now here at Seymour, but it's just been, you know, paperwork, trips, repairing instruments, one kid at a time since then. Um, it's a crazy life. It's it's you you're all on all the time sounds like it it does but, not sound anything like what i've done for the past 20 odd years mm. there's no there's no question it the 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 directing is steering the ship there's there's a lot of just stuff to do there's very little time that you have to do classroom stuff where if I taught guitar or music theory or more traditional classroom type stuff, it would be a very different job. Um, you know, I, I'm spending time today ordering buses, dealing with fundraisers, um, all the administrative stuff is just, it just fills up your day like crazy. What sparked your move uh -huh. from Derby? Um, a, a fair amount of political stuff, but really just more money. Um, you know, I, I had a great time at Derby, but Seymour was almost wow. a 20% pay hike. And that was, that was hard to, for sure, to turn down. Um, you just, you yeah, you know, you're like, I'm here, I'm happy, but... And do you know yeah. what happened to your music program? Is it still as you made it, or is it 
been Dave like uh, kind of what Russell was talking about when you know it's a different beast without him. The Der- Derby has struggled. It's um, it's a shame because uh, it certainly can happen there. It's a town that it's very small, but uh, it can happen there. We 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 proved that, but mm. they've struggled lately. Um, it's unfortunate. Yeah. Guess sometimes you got to get the guy who, who builds it to keep it going. Yes, and it, it's not town; it's just doing the work. Um, but I, I wish them the best, though. They, because because you, you want to be in a school where kids are doing plays, where they're singing in the choir, where they're joining the football team, all that type of stuff. Then they're not worrying about going to the bathroom right. and disappearing. Oh, that type of thing. Um, it's more fun. So at Seymour, you are once again the all-being of all things musical. You have choir, you have band, you have uh, hip-hop class, you have like iPad symposium, and are you doing track on top yeah. of that? Is that yeah, where you get those jackets, country. or is that the band yeah. jacket? Yeah, yeah. No, I, this, this, oh, is a, okay. this is a track and field shirt. Yeah. Um, yeah, and track track and cross country has been like, you know, nobody would have said in high school, "Oh, that kid's going to be a track and cross country." I didn't. Eat, I ran cross country for a couple of years, but it wasn't really part of my life. Um, but first year of coaching in a really small school, the coaches come around and say, "Well, what are you interested in coaching?" I'm like, "Well." I ran cross country in high school and they said, okay, you're the cross country coach. That would have been an awkward conversation with me, boy. Do you have a badminton racket somewhere? Uh, I don't really know the rules, but I, I've hit those things yeah. a couple times. It was just, I was just in the right time in the right place. In my second school, we, we were just a powerhouse team and I learned so much and, uh, I've just been lucky. Um, I'm not coaching three seasons anymore. It's just I'm just too busy, but it's 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 been a great way to know the kids, and I've been lucky to to have some good teams. Um, and it's fun. It's 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 fun to coach something and and be good at something um, that's not oh he's the trombone player or something something like that. Um, but you get no money for it really. And it's a lot of time, so I'm starting to wean myself. I can only imagine. You have uh, some offspring as well, right? Yep. Claudia is just went into sixth grade, and Molly is in third grade. Can't even do that math. Yeah. But uh, I I've read that they take some some time from what I from what I've read. Children demand a little time. Oh yeah, (laughs) yeah, definitely, definitely, and it's. It's just, you know, as a, you know, the band director life, you can't be at everything either. And that's, that's becoming more and more of a challenge that, you know, I have someplace to be three or four nights a week. I can't be at every show or practice or game, um, doing my best, but it's, it's tough to get it all balanced. Summer, I'm there all the time, but. Yeah, that that's tough. So you had said, you know, initially you were asking the what would Joe do? 
glad there's a J there so that acronym or whatever can stand complete. Um, but uh, at some point, clearly you went off the proverbial reservation because you're talking about improvisation, having the kids like transpose songs on the fly, put them in different you know, uh, feels, which reminds me of like Frank Zappa picking up the left side of his hair to illustrate a dreadlock and the band would drop into, you know, reggae or ska or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, clearly something happened. You you uh, went off on your own. How did you, you just decided that that was important to you because it wasn't important to anybody else. I've never heard of a band that could do that. Well, I, I think two things i have small groups so i do think if if i had a 150 member marching band in front of me just if i was one against 150 that's a little different i also think um you know our our music standards have changed a little bit but we do have nine standards you know that's kind of our curriculum our law we should teach what we're supposed to teach um is it easy? No. Is it easy to find comp time for composition or improvisation or whatever? But they're doing it in third grade. They're doing it in fourth grade. I promise you in the general music classes. Um, and we should do it at the high school and in the collegiate level. Um, I went to a, a, a music conference and a jazz ensemble was playing. And the director stood up and with pride said, I don't make the students play solos or make them improvise. And I'm thinking in my head, well, you know, you have jazz ensemble in your title of your name. W what are we here doing? I like that jazz um, thing. It's just the improvising that bothers me. <laughs> I just didn't get it. And, but, so I, I know a lot of teachers struggle with it, but you, you wouldn't hear you wouldn't want to sit at a parent night for your history teacher and have them say, well, I don't really teach the civil war because I, I don't like to pick I don't sides. Really know how to do it. it you, you know, you can't imagine that, but I think music teachers often pick and choose what they want to teach. Um, sometimes out of convenience, sometimes out of necessity. Um, but you, you hope you're creating a well-rounded musician and and creating something for the future so how, teacher. How big is your band now? In that respect. My band's small. My band's small. I have a band about 15 right now. Um, we, we're struggling What's the to grow the band here. Choir, it, choir is big. Choir is, moves between 45 and 60. What's the instrumentation of your um, band? Uh, right now, I'm clarinets, three saxophones, a trumpet. Not even a trombone? Percussion. No, I had one for the last four so years. I don't have one this year. Does that mean you can play with the band? Or, uh, uh, oh, I definitely, I definitely play but with that, the band. <laughs> to me, that means you're writing the arrangements, right? You're, you're... Uh, we, we, most of the music we're doing now, we're making our own arrangements we do uh i split both choir and band i split into fourths um large ensemble works well band bands a little large ensemble works jazz 
small ensemble works and solo. Um, so the, their month and their year and their days are kind of split into fourths. So concert band, we play, uh, there's music out that's called flex band, which is really five parts that I can, I can put a bass line, a tenor line, et cetera. We do a, a lot of work. We, we did a New Orleans brass band last year, which was, again, almost totally improvised type of thing. And that went really well. And I, I, if, as long as I can get somebody playing tuba this year, I, I think we're going to focus on that a lot. And then, we, you know, the, the clarinet quartet, the sax trios, I, a percussion quartet for small ensemble. I'm really trying to push everybody to audition for regionals and all state to work on the solo stuff. Um, so, in, you know, we started the conversation talk, talking about visiting artists. Visiting artists used to take care of two of those right. for Mr. Grasso, um, the solo and the small ensembles. So what I suffer from here is I don't have the time to, to really kind of spend four months on the nine-stroke roll type of thing um, to work through the Cerrone book, you know, one A2 to, after the other. I really have to trust them to start learning on their own. Um, and it's tough. It's, it's work. And we're, with a small band, we, choir's gotten to the point where it's just regenerating itself. You know, it stays at its size. Band is tough. You're at the mercy of whoever yeah, graduates, and then you've got a, a hole where there wasn't one before. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Sure. Yeah. And we, you know, you know, some issues with our feeder program, which I won't get into, and and just growing the size that way. I, it's, it's hard to pull a kid out of the hallway to play tenor saxophone and, and get right. too far with them at, at, at the high school level. I, I believe you. So in my cyber stalking with all the materials you gave me, uh, so I look at your hip-hop syllabus. I thought it was freaking amazing. Um, so you say that 20 to 25% is like kids participation and i'm asking you how do you keep them accountable for that without becoming some sort of like a bureaucratic zookeeper with a checklist of like great tommy said two words today or you know they were a plus words or they were whatever he just said something like is that just more of a encouragement empty threat or do you have a well, a system designed to ensure well, compliance, as they like to say these days. I'm not. I'm not teaching hip hop this year, but in in the past, like it, it's got to be treated kind of like an ensemble. Like if you came into band and instead of getting the timpani set up, you just sat in the back. You're not participating in the actual class. Um, in hip hop. If, if you're going to come in and we're going to start each day with, you know, in a circle where everybody has to spit out four lines, and if you're not going to participate in that, you're not participating in the ensemble. Um, so a hard thing to do is just kind of set up those norms in, in any class, but in a, in a music class that the, the essence of what we do is performance. Um, you know, if, if you're thinking the music in your head, it's it's not music yet. 
and and just just setting up that norm is is a challenge in a in a class that's in many ways by its nature going to be challenging just right. from the get go. By the way, I loved the letter oh. to the parents. I thought that was genius and, you know, really smart to be like, so we're doing this class and some topics may come up and it's a teachable moment and just don't get your proverbial panties in much of a bunch. And if you do, here's my contact information, but please don't freak out. Yeah, I, I, I copied a lot of that from uh, a, a teacher I connected with in, in uh, Chicago, but but yeah. That we 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 may discuss we might we might acknowledge the existence of uh, existence of adult topics. Heaven forfend. Um, yes, we might acknowledge the existence of love and relationships. As long as racism but isn't anyway. on the plate, then you know we're all we're all good. Because thank goodness we got rid of that. <laughs> well, we 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 do a unit on oh, that heavens. too. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Yeah, and the, the sexism unit—that's a—that's a nice discussion. What's your uh, your demographics yeah. there in, in Seymour? Is it? Uh, we, it, I, I would say we are middle class ish. Um, uh, not necessarily a diverse group, but a fairly diverse group. If that makes sense, I don't think we're at all just unison uh one race one gen not obviously not one gender but uh one income here in seymour there, there's a fair mix here it's a small school we used to be a regional school and it's it, we're not a regional school anymore so we've gone in the past 10 years from about 1100 students to about 650 um which has been mm. a big change for teams bands choirs teachers I mean, we have a lot less teachers now. Um, and the trend in Connecticut is enrollments going down, which uh, isn't great for recent education graduates, but it's just, just a trend right now. Not, not, not a lot of places are adding jobs, that's for sure. People are not breeding enough? Well, they might be, but they're, they're not necessarily going to school here. So you seem to be very comfortable with... Um accountability and and you know the nine standards of music that have been carried down from someone's mountaintop and whatnot um has that that seem you make it look effortless when i when i'm reading your stuff it looks like wow like i've just struggled with that so much i i like working with kids i love coming up with arrangements and and exploring the music in the moment probably the curse of donald bird um who, you know, I don't think a lesson yeah. <laughs> plan would have, I don't think he would have known what that was. Um, and yet, some of us learned a whole lot. If you're willing to put in the, the work to decode it, it was, was kind of cool. But uh, do, have you had any, uh, you know, adjustments to make? Are you like pretty much, I mean, you're kind of an unstoppable juggernaut. Do you worry about people walking into your classroom with a clipboard going down a list of things that don't necessarily pertain to you, or does that not happen? Oh, I, I think absolutely. I, I think, uh, I, I make big efforts on doing two things just, just trying to get people in my room so they know what's going on and trying to have conversations about how this job is different than other jobs that what you see 
on the clipboard, on the checklist, is not necessarily what we're doing. For example, if if the band is playing Stars and Stripes Forever, that's collaboration. It's it's not necessarily we stopped and paired and shared and everybody, but just the nature of playing the piece is student work and student collaboration. And usually when you have that conversation with the principal, they say, oh, of course, that's perhaps the highest level of, of what we're looking for. But sometimes when people walk in the room, it doesn't look like it looks like in history class where kind of the move is everybody's in their, their four-person group and their students are working on stuff. You, you can't always do that in an ensemble, especially if, if there's a lot of kids in front of you. So are you, you're not mandated to start with a written do now and, a, you know, oh, we, pair we, share? And a we, we have lot. been at, you know, you have a lot of experience in education. There, there is that two-year loop of this is what we're doing, and then two years later, this is what we're doing, and then this is what we're doing. Um, this year, we, we've kind of gotten the directive that our, we're going to be evaluated based on our SAT scores, so we have to set objectives that will improve our SAT scores, um, which in some ways is baloney. How am I going to improve SAT scores? But I have to be evaluated based on that. Um, so I've got to find domain-specific vocabulary and work on finding vocabulary and context and just a lot of stuff to, to create. Um, the quarter note is to it, a quarter rest as yeah, the wombat is to Yeah, this a, is a semi-desequaver. Um, and, and of course, you know, you can't argue it. You can't say, well, vocabulary is not important or this is an, of course they should be able to read. But still, I got to put on four concerts and stuff. So integrating that into kind of our daily life um, is a challenge because suddenly I'm going to snap my fingers and it's going to be March and oh wait I haven't done this yet and you have to get it in because that's where your ratings are yeah All right. SAT is interesting I was rated on my uh, the, the regents whatever the English uh, yeah or English state yeah. exams. And I'm glad it wasn't math, believe me. But, uh, but Similar yeah. idea. That was super, super helpful. Um, so tell me uh, about the iPad magic. Well, we, the iPad is kind of a bittersweet story as I tell it. Um, in uh, 2002 or 2003 at Derby, I was lucky enough to get a grant on... I don't know if you even remember technology back then, but it was called a Palm Pilot. Oh, yeah, yeah I remember. I never back had one. Back in the one, dark but, ages. But. And it was really cool. So we, I had a full class set for them. I, got, I had 50 of them. So every student in my band and choir had a Palm. Now, on the Palm, you could record. You could pull up vocabulary lists, um, a bunch of word content. It had a language app, you know, it was basically a mini iPhone. They could write in it. 
all that type of stuff. And it worked really well. Um, we did a whole study on it. I had, I had a hundred percent retention. We went to Italy in 2003. They brought the palms with them and it was cool. Cause you know, they'd be sitting with their Italian people they were staying with and they'd be translating back and forth. Um, it just really worked great. Um, when I came here to Seymour, I applied for a grant from the local foundation to get 20 iPads when they just came out, um, building on some of the work we did in Derby, where we just want to go digital, we want to record, we want to create, we want to have YouTube in everybody's hands, um, all those types of things. I want to put my music on there. and. We were lucky in the second year to do a project with the Waterbury Symphony where eight iPad students performed with the Waterbury Symphony. We, we commissioned a piece by Doug O'Grady at Westcon, and it was a great experience. These were not typical music students. These were students that came out of my music theory class. There were a lot of students who had never been to the symphony before, students who definitely wouldn't have played in a symphony. Um, and they played legit music on, you know, I put iPad in quotes as an instrument, but it was, they played real music on the iPad. Um, the crowd loved it. Um, it was a great experience. And for a couple years, we had a small enough group that all their music was on there. They were recording and stuff. I've gotten to the point now where my group's a little bigger. I can't have a one-to-one -one or even a one-to-two. And the iPads are too old. Um, right. They've lasted great. I mean, we're in our sixth or seventh year with them. But if you have a phone in your pocket, you, you understand, well, this app won't. You have the wrong iOS. I, I can't upgrade my iOS. I can't run a lot of these apps. So we're struggling to convince the powers that be to kind of replace the technology and make me go digital again. Um, I'm back to copying music, worksheets. I'm back to analog, and it's been a struggle when I was totally digital to go back to really analog. Um, it was great in a choir rehearsal to have everybody, you know, put your iPad on your stand, videotape yourself, um, send it to me, pull up the music. Um, now record yourself in GarageBand over this bass line. A lot of that improvisation composition becomes so much more fluid in the class when the digital stuff is just right there. When it's pencil and paper, it just has to be so much more planned. You were talking about right. kind of going on the fly. You gotta have the worksheet ready, or the the lesson ready, or this ready. It's less pull out the iPad, click this app, and let's see what we can do with it. It, it gets kids from level zero to level two or three with a snap of the fingers. You you take any kid out of the schools you used to teach or mine, give them GarageBand, and say, give me give me a cool song in twenty minutes and they'll be able to do it. If you gave them a sheet of staff paper and a pencil, there's just no way. I, I gotta get the excitement back, because it's not as exciting, exciting to hold a six-year-old iPad.
Yeah, get that excitement back, man. Coming from a guy who agreed to do an interview right after teaching a class on the first week of school, rocking his school colors and everything. Quit slacking. Thanks again to Brant for sharing his thoughts and time with me. Don't forget to check out his blog of music ed wisdom nuggets at brantschneider.blogspot.com. That's B-R-A-N-D-T-S-C-H-N-E-I-D-E-R.blogspot.com. And I think he's currently pimping citrus fruits to fund a band trip to Boston. So help him out if you're in the area and enjoy living scurvy free. As always, if you want to find me, I'm on Facebook. And my website is bevaproductions.com. That's B-V-A productions.com. Thanks for listening. Click some like button somewhere like the young folks do. And I'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.